Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to USTA Florida's Here to Serve podcast. Last week, we talked a lot about schools, and today we're going to continue that discussion. We're going to focus our attention on high school tennis and the state of play right now in the wake of the coronavirus. I have three very special guests who've been involved in high school tennis in Florida for a very long time, and I can't wait to hear what they have to say. First, joining us is Dee Dee Allen. Dee Dee is the program (laughs) director for Episcopal School, uh, which is in Jacksonville, and she also happens to be the volunteer executive director for the Florida High School Tennis Association. Welcome, Dee Dee. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. We also have joining us today, Todd Rubenstein. And Todd is the USPTA District 13 president. Um, He (laughs) also is the head tennis coach for Morning High School um, in uh, South, I'm sorry, North Miami. And he happens to be the special education coordinator um, in that high school for North Miami Beach. So thank you, Todd, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. My pleasure. And last but certainly not least, we have Thad Hawks. And Thad is our youth program coordinator. He's been with us for a number of years now. And Thad is also a former high school tennis coach. And he has been leading our efforts uh, to promote more play Uh, for high school tennis. So thank you, Thad, for joining us and coordinating this for us today. Thank you, Laura. I really appreciate it and appreciate everybody being on. So let's go ahead and jump right into this exciting topic. I'd like to start just by asking each of you how you got involved in high school tennis and maybe talk a little bit more about the role that you have today. So I'm going to start with you, Dee Dee. Hi there. My first real job was um, right out of school, down in Fort Lauderdale, down in uh, Todd's general area of uh, Davie at University School, which you might know Todd. Um, just out of graduate school and um, was up, had the opportunity to be the coach down there. And I loved it. I did that for seven years and then decided to go back to graduate school again and work on something else. And then had the opportunity to get a job at uh, Wake Forest University. And I was a women's coach for seven and a half years at Wake. And then I got a job that actually paid money as opposed <laughs> to coaching girls college, women's college tennis. <laughs> was it nice? Uh, anyway, uh, so I got a job with USTA and I was with USTA National for 14 and a half years as administrator of junior competition and the liaison for the collegiate group. And I moved up to Jacksonville in 03 to help out with my mom and I've been doing volunteer work here and there for the Florida section ever since then and then got involved with Episcopal High School thinking I'd never go back to high school coaching but I absolutely love it and this will be my 12th year at Episcopal so and then I got volunteered got to watch out for you wish for so I volunteered (laughs) to um, (laughs) to be the volunteer executive director for, for the Florida high school group and our goal is to try to get out and actually get the high school coaches more involved I mean, we've got coaches like like Todd that's always involved, and then we've got coaches who are brand new that don't know which end of the racket to hold that we need to help educate, and that's our goal. That's excellent. We're very lucky to have you, Dee Dee. I know you've volunteered for us for 
many, many years in a lot of different ways. And you even did a schools training with me, which, you know, I learned a lot by watching you do a schools training last year. And I thank you for saving me on that when I had to kind of go up there and, and I was a substitute for the day. And thanks to you, it went really, really well. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. And I can vouch that DG can coach anyone because she coached me. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. <laughs> I'm your, I'll give you a testimony there. Oh, thank you. Uh, let me jump over to you, Tad. Talk a little bit about how you got involved in high school tennis and what role you have today. Uh, so it seems like 100 years ago. <laughs> but I'll say... So I've been in education now. This is going to be my 20, I think, 23rd year in education. And even before I, I became a full-time, uh, you know, a teacher and then involved with special education, I tried to find a way to get in. And I was an assistant pro at a club, Humbert Lakes Graduate Club. And I'm like, what's some extra money? And I became a substitute. And there was a coaching opening uh maybe like 1997 at piper high school this is in sunrise and you know it was uh, we didn't have a full squad it was just boys it wasn't girls i had four guys and i thought it was an unbelievable experience working with these kids it was it was they challenged me i challenged them i tried to get the most out of them and i saw so much potential um, you know, whether it translated on the court, it didn't really matter to me. It was what I saw, what they did, you know, outside off the court as well, and how they excelled on their grades. And, and it, it pushed me more into education, you know, and I feel as a tennis coach, you're also an educator. Um, so they kind of went hand in hand. And uh, that, that's where my experience started. And then uh, I went over to Barbara Goldman Senior High School. I was there for 13 years. Uh, a special education teacher, and I was the head tennis coach there also, the boys and the girls. And the teams were and were pretty successful. Considering the district that we were in, we had prop in our district. Oh. And every year, like, who's going to come in second? You know, uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys all know Mike Hypers. Um, So, you know, me and Mike are buddies. I've known him a long time. We go way back. And it was like, you know, I, I can say I've got a win against Mike. <laughs> dominant. They were they were very dominant, and 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 we we just we had a lot of really good tight close matches. It was very competitive, and you know I'm competitive, Mike is competitive, and it was just it was a really cool dynamic. And now I'm over at Alonzo and Tracy Morning Senior High in in North Miami, and uh, it's been amazing. I run the special education program over there. And I'm also the head tennis coach for the boys and the girls. And and we, I let's see, this we boys have won districts the last five years. Girls have been district runner-ups the past five years. Uh, we had our first ever state champion in the school's history came from tennis uh, individually in singles, and then the following year in double. So that was really exciting and. And then I became part of the uh, the FHSAA advisory committee. I, I was on that board for two years, and and then in 2018, I I, I was honored as the uh, USPTA National High School Coach of the Year. So that was like it's been a long way from a substitute teacher taking on four boys at Piper High School <laughs> to to where you know where I am today. But it, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. 
you know, it's about the journey and it's been unbelievable. And, and uh, I, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing than, than the path I've taken or what I've chosen to do. It's been amazing. Everyone has a story, but you know, it's, you know, it's just amazing to touch all the students and to see what they've done and where they're going and the families and it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. That's why we coach. That's why we do, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you guys are the perfect examples of high school coaches, because like you said, it's not like you're making big money doing it. You care a lot about the kids and Thad, you're, uh, I want to come to you next because you, you're right in there. And I think that's actually how we found you at USTA Florida. I think you were coaching before you came to us. So tell us a little bit about your story, um, what you've done in coaching, and then kind of how you've translated that to USTA Florida. Oh. Right. So, you know, obviously my journey in, in the high school tennis started as a player way back in the uh, early 80s in Ohio, growing up playing and then um, moved down here to Florida. And both uh, both my boys were at school, both play tennis and they needed a tennis coach at the school. And so I offered up uh, my services to do that and thoroughly enjoyed it for nine years. Um, coaching your sons is, is both rewarding and, and challenging. Um, but, um, you know, we, the three of us, you know, my two sons and I were all better for it. And they've, uh, you know, they've gone on. One's currently uh, an assistant pro locally in Winter Park, and the other one's about to start college. And I couldn't, could not have enjoyed my, my nine years at, at, at the school I was at, Lake Mary Prep. Uh, coaching more than I did and it was it was really great and you're right it was uh, I, I came on to USA Florida uh, as the Rogi coordinator and having some high school background and I believe it was uh, was you Laura who on one of our weekly uh, team calls with a number of people talking about high school tennis how do we get into the high schools how can we get in touch with high school coaches how can we offer more to high school coaches? And your very wise words were, well, I think we have a high school coach on staff, so maybe we should ask him. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's kind of how it happened. And, and we've, been, we've been trying our best over the past couple of years you know, to, to engage in that audience, both with players and coaches and schools. And uh, I think bit by bit, we're making some progress and look forward to even more. Yeah, well, I think you three really are the three to kind of move us forward in this area and build on the work that you've already been doing. And this podcast is an extension of what I said to Thad. You know, this is, I was a high school coach in a different sport. So high school tennis is not something that I've done. And so I would really much rather pick your brains and talk a little bit more about what we can do in this space since you all have been doing it so well and for for so many years, uh, I think there's no group better to tell us, you know, what we need to do and what we can do. So that's kind of my next question. You know, in my last podcast, we focused on more like schools after schools, so the PE and, and the after school for the younger kids. And we talked a lot about the difficult decisions that parents are facing right now when it comes to sending their kids back to school. I have two high schoolers in my family. And I know they definitely want to get back to school. I think they're about done with their parents right now. So what are each of you hearing from your students and from their parents about either the desire or maybe some of the trepidation about going back to school this fall? And I'll, I'll start again with you, Dee Dee. Um, I reached out to the girls on the team and they all do want to go back to school. And I'm sure that their parents want them to go back to school also. 
Um, but there is some concern and uh, the Episcopal has a very detailed plan. Uh, we're a small school, so we'll have probably a little bit better chance of doing things correctly than some of the larger schools. Um, we are, we will be starting um, October, I wish, um, August 10th with our um, new student orientation and then the classes will start the 11th. Uh, Duval County is not starting until about a week later and St. John's County is not starting until, um, well, they pushed it back till after the RNC, which is no longer here anymore, thank God. That's all we needed. That's <laughs> so a lot of people coming from all over the country bringing germs. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want any more germs. Um, so the kids, the kids are excited about it. Um, we just want to make sure that the, all the protocol, everything's been cleaned and washed and whatever they can do. And I think they miss the socialization with their friends, especially the, the age group that doesn't drive. They have to rely on the whims of their parents, whether they want to take them to the friend's house. The couple of the kids that do drive have been going over to their friends and hopefully they've been uh, socially distancing correctly. Um, but they're, they're looking forward to it. And I think all the teachers that I've talked to are, are looking forward to getting back. And I hope Todd feels the same way. But I think his school is a little bit bigger than ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, a, that's a really great question. <laughs> Todd's in a different area of the state. another And that, I mean, that's kind of one of the things we found as we've done this podcast is there's so every area is very different. So it's great to hear, you know, Dee where your school is at. I love hearing that, that the kids want to go back, there's safety protocols. Todd, where's Miami at in this mix? <laughs> and your kids and parents. Whatever, whatever you've been hearing in the media is probably true. Like, <laughs> so the, the Florida Marlins, you know, they played Philadelphia, they played, they played the Phillies. And eight players and two coaches contracted uh, the virus. So they, they were supposed to have their uh, opening game here in Miami against Baltimore, and that got canceled. And I know whoever the Phillies was supposed to play next, that game got canceled. So I, I, I think there's 14 players now on the team, including coaches. Yeah, that's just the baseball team. You know, and you think of a professional team who's doing everything they can to follow all the parameters and guidelines, you know, it's just it's it's so difficult and i know down here we've been doing everything we can when it comes to that i know Laura, you've been on a few of the uspta miami meetings and we've we discussed that but in terms of school so th th this is what's going on now the 29th is when the superintendent alberto cavallo for miami-dade county public schools is supposed to make i guess more of a decision what's going to happen He's even considering pushing schools back. Personally, I don't think it's a good idea. I think schools should start August 24th, whether it's distance learning, whether you know it's just a little bit face-to-face -face or a hybrid. Now, I know those are the three, the three different models. There's been questionnaires that have been sent around to the parents asking, what do you feel? What would you like to do with your kids? Now, I have two daughters, seven and nine. They go to private school. Now, I know the classes, I, I've been in, in the classes, and they're smaller, but yet, you know, my wife is like, they're going. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's the best bet. Now, it's, it, it's such a tough thing to do. It's, it's a catch-22. It's, you know, you can have all the parameters in place. Kids are going to be kids, and they're going to walk around, and they're going to be forgetful, and they might mean well, but they're still going to, like, things are going to happen. And, and when you're... 
when you're, I guess, inside, and then you have the air conditioning blowing, you know, if someone talks or coughs or sneezes or any little thing, it's going to travel in the air, and then who knows what's going to happen. I really don't think scientifically, you know, I know we're collecting data. If you throw on CNN, that's all it's about. It's like, it's like, it should be DNN data news network now. That's all they talk about. But it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the schools moving forward. I personally think it should just be distance learning to start. Um, I know the teachers in Miami-Dade County have done a phenomenal job with what they've had to do at the end of last year, uh, middle end of March, when we were, I think it was like around the 14th, something like that, when we were shut down. And, you know, for them to, to be able to create and, you know, through whatever platforms online they wanted to use to educate the students and, and, and to get the curriculum the best way they can across, I thought they did a phenomenal job. I know, I know my daughter's schools, because I was home, I was helping them with their school. And their teachers did a, a, a phenomenal job. Also, they're they're in first and third, so even at the elementary school level, um, you know. But then you have the issues of social emotional learning. You have food, you know. We, you know, we've been doing food distributions at different sites. Internet. Not everyone is able to get internet. Uh, not everyone's able to get a laptop or a mobile device, even though we're still giving them out at the schools. These are these are like issues. And then you got the summer slide on. You know, so it's almost like we've been on summer break in, in a way since March. I know there's been a, a lot of kids who they, they they just have not been as involved with their education as they should be. I just think, uh, you know, obviously face-to-face -face is the best, best method, the best mode, but I just don't feel it's safe at this time. And we're going to find out more in Miami here on the 29th what, what's going down. Um, I, I know my I, my administration, the other teachers here don't even know what's going on. We find out literally all at the same time. So yeah, it's, 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 we'll see what happens. Same thing happened up here. You know, I know Orange County is offering different options. Like you said, in person, then there's virtual, and then there's sort of like a hybrid model. And I think that, um, you know, we see a lot of counties doing that. And that's a really good uh, question to then now pose to Thad. How is this environment we're in where not all of the kids are coming back together in person the way we normally would see it? How's that impacting our ability to maybe support high school tennis opportunities? Do you see maybe more opportunities or different opportunities than what we had before? And then what are the challenges from your perspective on what we're trying to do? Yeah, well, I think a lot of it, just from what we've seen with the restart of tennis from the tournament structure and how things are, as Dee mentioned, you know, what, you know, how things are in Jacksonville compared to how things are down in Miami and then obviously here in Central Florida, it, it's like there's, it's, a, it's almost like Florida's in, in three or four different worlds right now and trying to find, you know, the right, the right fit for all is, is, is going to be very difficult, but I think that we have opportunities with smaller tournaments. Uh, we're starting to see some doubles play starting again, which from the team concept of, of high school tennis and so on is, is, is a great opportunity and great option. Uh, I think we're going to have to look at different areas of the state and see where we can begin to offer some opportunity. 
uh, not only in team tennis, but in some of our other products that we've started with, with last year, the splits format, which is just a two person team involving singles and doubles has been widely popular and the, and the players absolutely love that format. Uh, I think it's a format that could certainly be expanded to not just two players, but four players involving both boys and girls, uh, bringing in mixed teams and mixed doubles uh, and, and really utilizing um, you know late summer, early fall as a way to maybe target that, that high school age player and say, here's a way for you to play with your friends again that you played with on your teams in some opportunities that might not necessarily be really uh, official team formats, but formats that they can play and, and looking at those opportunities, I think is, is really important uh, to begin to get some normalcy as much as we can, you know, back into the high school, you know, in, into the high school world. I also think um, keeping our relationship with the FHSAA that we've really, you know, worked hard over the past couple of years to, to strengthen is also going to help because, you know, they can help us get out and, you know, get out to those coaches and athletic directors and you see how we can help and how we can help their kids. You know, that kind of brings up another thought in my mind. You know, we've we've done previously something like a fall ball product, which was really based on the JTT model. And there are other models out there like World Team Tennis and other things where you're started talking about co-ed and then maybe other sports not being able to proceed because it's not necessarily as safe as tennis or as easy to social distance. So my question now for each of you is, what other types of formats or play do you see maybe us being able to work in either in the fall or maybe heading into the winter that possibly this would be a good time to try? And I'll I'll start again with you, Thad, and kind of make, make my way around. What other creative formats would you see as potentially viable? Well, I, as I mentioned before, I think, I think the splits format is really, is really a lot of fun because it gives players an opportunity to not only play doubles, but then play singles together in a quick format. Uh, some providers that we've seen use that format, they've actually allowed their, the non-playing teammate to be their, their teammate's coach, which addresses several options. Uh, then it takes out the non-coaching issue away from parents and, and kind of gives those kids another feeling of, of, of team play. Um, I think just if we can begin to get some junior team tennis back in in some form or fashion which i know you know we're looking at different options there maybe smaller teams smaller groupings shorter shorter periods of time i think all of those things that we can you know get out there to coaches and, and, and pros and, and so on can really be helpful in in giving players options and i think right now that's what these kids are looking for they're looking for options and opportunity Didi, what do you see as some opportunities out there for USTA Florida maybe to partner or to deliver something for these kids so that they can play either this fall or, or going into the spring? We did a, a version of fall ball um, in the, the team challenge. And I think what we did was sort of modified the, uh, was when it first started with Liz, we kind of modified everything and sort of brought it up. My school is middle school through 12th grade. So we have some middle school kids, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that can can do it. And uh, although we have to be careful of FHSA rules, so I just followed their format, and we had a word of the day, and they played a little bit, um, and a little bit of team competition within themselves. Um, some of the clubs aren't doing junior team tennis. Jacksonville is very club oriented, and some of them aren't doing junior team tennis anymore. So it's just best to sort of keep it in house if we can. 
And what I like to see is have them come up with like a, a yellow ball team challenge that is in compliance with the FHSAA rules. So we can still have um, some sort of ball tennis. That's a great perspective. Yellow ball team challenge. Okay, Todd, you're next. What do you see as opportunities for us and what could we do to maybe deliver some tennis this fall and going into the spring? So I'm going to take this in a little different perspective here. I think whatever, I'm not going to be like super specific, but whatever can be implemented, in my opinion, now would be the time to get on board for everyone to come together and do it. I think there, could, there should be something more specific, whether it's, you know, the, uh, the team tennis, um, because, you know, with what's going on with the coronavirus, tennis is the number one activity outdoors that we can do. So why not take advantage of that and get these kids out of the house and get them on the tennis court? Remember when I was a kid, we used to play like club, like club tennis, club against club, you know, which is more or less the same thing. And down here in Miami, I don't really see that happening too much anymore. Um, you know, the, the clubs, it, it can be the responsibility, it should be the responsibilities of the directors of the clubs to go out into the community and get the kids as well. You know, it shouldn't just be on the USTA, it shouldn't be on the USPTA um, or, or any other organization. It should be on the directors of the clubs to go out and get the kids because it's only gonna like bring together and harmonize their programming as well. So I don't know if that necessarily answered the question, but I think whatever it is that is decided upon, it should be, I guess, everyone should, it should be the same across the state. There needs to be, a, you know, communication across the board. And I, I really think it should go down to the, the directors of the facilities in the areas and they should be responsible. And even if you say do club tennis and you're going to get maybe even three clubs and they have maybe five kids each and they're say they're recreational players. Great. Let them go play each other. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they need to learn the social skills. They need to get out of the house. It's also going to help with their emotions and emotional learning. And, and they, they need this as we are all aware. Tennis just isn't about the game. That's like almost one of the last things that kind of get instilled with a lot of these kids. This is a way out, you know, and now it's a way out of the house. <laughs> you I know, which is a benefit. A way so, out, a way away from their parents. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. No, no one wants to kill each other anymore, right? Kill a tennis ball. My mom, it's funny, my mom used to always say, when I play, I, I played uh, Florida junior tennis down here, and then I, I played college tennis here. So I'm like, everything's more or less Florida tennis with me. Um, but uh, she'd always say, just, just imagine my face is in the ball. <laughs> I do think tennis, that's how, the first time I ever played tennis was when I was in high school and my mom loves tennis and she made me go out there. And I say made me because it wasn't my sport, but it was the only time I think we didn't fight when I was a teenager because she was better than I was and she was very patient. <laughs> and when you're a teenager and you think you know everything, Oh, it's God, kind of yeah. humbling to go out there with your parent. I'm sure Thad had this experience with his sons as well, that it's kind of nice to go out there and still be able to teach your child something and they can't really talk back to you and say, I know this better. So we, we had many a, a nice summer evening on the tennis court. So I, yeah. I think I actually think you're you're giving some really good input here that, you know, we probably do need to get 
a group of people together. I know we're planning the JTT kind of in line with what you're saying, some consistency, make sure that it's clear. But I think we do need to give some particular attention to the high school space, the clubs, the facilities and say, how do we make this fun? Because these kids don't have a lot of opportunities to play. And maybe they were looking forward to doing a different activity like football or right. something that was more close contact that maybe they don't have the opportunity to do right now. So, you know what, tennis, you can stay in shape. It's really good fitness and it's safe. So I think that's a great perspective to give back to us to say, how do we get uh, people in a room and say, let's make this happen. It may not be in every area, but let's get some clubs on board and, and some schools and see what we can come up with. Yeah. Well, Laura, I think the irony of the situation we've been in with this, where we have not been able to go and see people face to face, but now it's all done through you know, through Zoom and through Microsoft Teams and so on, our biggest issue has been able, how do we reach every single high school coach throughout the state of Florida without being to go and see them face to face? Well, now through these different, you know, mediums, we have that opportunity. And that might be a really great first step is to begin to, you know, try to reach more of our high school coaches through a Zoom meeting or a Microsoft Teams and because they're more used to this now than than before, as are we. So really, I, I think a great opportunity is being created by this. And it's free, right? You know, it costs yeah, yeah, it's free. meetings like this, where when we bring people in person, there's a cost to that. So it's free, hopefully more convenient. So I, I, I think that's a great uh, recommendation for sure. Yeah, Mike, uh, last year at our high school coaches meeting in December, Mike uh, streamed all of the sessions. Uh, for those who couldn't make it because it's it's a hard time of year to to get everybody together because they're getting ready for final exams and all that and uh, so he videoed all the sessions and i don't know how many people watched them but they were there if they wanted them so that was a good way to do it we probably need to do more of that I agree great yeah. takeaways there so i want to um ask you all we've talked about sort of the opportunities to deliver tennis but i want to ask about the way we deliver it uh, we've talked on previous podcasts about safety guidelines and protocols. So I just wanted to uh, specifically ask Didi, you and Todd, since you're kind of deliver in the delivery space, you know, every day, what does tennis look like and what might be different in the high school space than what we've seen previously, just to make sure our participants are safe in the current environment? And uh, Didi, I'll start with you. Um, well, we had summer camp at school this year, and of course, the first group was eight and under, so they didn't pay attention to anything. Um, but the other groups were fine. It's hard to keep four-year-olds separated. Um, they just love each other. But um, we, everybody else was, I mean, I had to remind them, I don't know how many times a day, I said, is that six feet? And um, they were good, I mean, because we were spread out. We've got a, a nice 10-court facility, so there wasn't any issue with kids on top of each other. I did make some signs and uh, draw things on the ground. I didn't have to use the signs, thankfully, um, but I might in the fall because we'll have more kids. Um, I think that I think the USCA Florida should come up with some cute little face masks that we could all buy and sell and do oh, whatever. Idea. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> good call. How about you, Ted? What are some of the guidelines that you think we need to issue or take a look at or be on the same page with as we bring high schoolers back? To play so in terms of high school tennis first fall is january 18th when you can have practice so we're looking at you know flu season <laughs> you know what, what's going to be going on do we have a cold do we have a flu do we have coronavirus 
what's going on? You know, but but first match I think is uh, February 8th. So, you know, it, it, then that's usually when it's a little cooler down here. It's the coolest time of year for here. Um, and then we have districts in April. Now, April sounds like it's a year away. You know, and I, I it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic. Now, it, you know, I know as you're aware, what we're doing down here, I've been going to a lot of the tennis clubs down here. And, I, you know, I see what they're doing. They're, everyone is very visible when it comes to the disinfecting and the cleaning. Things are roped off. Arrows are on the ground. The, the rules are everywhere. And there be, you know, for the most, there's empathy. People are being... People are, are actually, they're listening. There, there isn't really a discussion. If someone says, please use that door, it's like, it's, a, it's not like an ego thing, like, excuse me, I can't, I'm, it's okay, they got it. Like people, people are tending to get it now. You know, and I hope the kids, it, it becomes kind of this, the same mentality, the same thing. I'm really hoping that we're able to have spring tennis, the spring sports. I know down here in Miami, you know, down here, as you, as you, again, as you know, it's very different here than it's going to be everywhere else. The FHSA, I guess, postponed um, fall sports till August 24th. Yeah. You know, sports are a little bit different. Those are you know, well, tennis in the spring. You know, all I can say is we just have to follow the guidelines. That's it. You know, the masks, and then when they're when they're on the court, you can mark the balls. Um, you know, it's almost like. The one difference is because a lot of these kids are recreational players at the high school level, and they're not out there in you know in the, in the programs and playing tournaments and all that and in the academies. They're going to have to be shown, and you have to model on how to do things. This is what we're going to do. It's like literally like you're in the classroom. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do, and you just go through the whole gamut of everything. If you take like you know an hour, whatever it takes to do it, show them, and then they got you know let them do it. You know, it's like. I like that when I, when I teach, it's like, I do it, we do it together, and then they do it. And then hopefully by that point, they got it, yeah. you know? You know, and again, you just have to keep harping on, you know, we're out here and we have to be safe. And it's not just about us, but it's about our families and everybody else. And we need to be respectful. And, and you know, this isn't about wins and losses. To me, you know, it never is about the wins and losses anyway, but now even more so than ever. You know, it's about getting together, having a good time, and we're a team. And you're going to remember, you know, maybe uh, something happening on the side of the tennis court with one of your buddies than you are of a tennis match. Right. You know, you're going to remember a road trip more than you're going to remember the match itself. So these are these are the experiences and these are the things. And, you know, I felt bad for the kids last year when the season got canned. You know, I felt terrible for them. You know, and I, I, felt, I felt bad, too. I, I felt for them, you know, but... What I did is I created distance learning tennis practice. That's pretty much what I did. I made videos and I put them online and, and I made a website and I had the kids watch them and and it, it, it was really about them, you know. And I wanted I wanted them to still be involved. You know, my attitude was is kids can still have distance learning in the classroom. Why can't they still do it on the tennis court? Yeah, I know you were. We're ahead of the curve on that, Ted, I will say, even, you know, what you've done with USPTA, your district meetings, and I would say that if there's, I'm sure there's many silver linings to this, and one of them is, is just being more proficient in our industry of delivering things in a virtual setting, and you've done a, a wonderful job with yes. your, what is it, 30-second tennis tip that you do? 
your daughter joins you sometimes and gives a tip, and I, I think it's been wonderful. for all of you just to kind of wrap things up so um, I'm actually gonna go back around the circle and so I'll come back to you uh, Dee Dee now and ask you what's one thing that USTA Florida could do to help high school students parents and or providers in this new normal if there was just one thing we could do what would it be just keep the education going I think that's essential and you know, mark the balls like Todd was saying and uh, help with uh, online. I, mean, I sent my kids a bunch of information and little quizzes and things to do. So if we can just keep them active. All right, awesome. Thad, I'll go to you next. What one thing do you think USTA Florida can do to help either students, parents, and or providers in the new environment? Probably you know, trying to reach out to as many coaches as we can to begin to let them know what we, you know, what we offer and some of the guidelines that we have out there and in partnership with our facilities and clubs that are in, in, in places that are running events so they can begin to prepare for exactly like what Todd said. So, you know, a lot of those kids who might not play tennis year round, but play for their school. So they can kind of begin to what to expect come spring when it's time to play. Excellent. Todd, any other one thing that you want to add? You gave us a lot to think about. Is there any last one thing that we can do to help in this new environment? In terms of educating not just the recreational player and the high school player overall, but the high performance player as well, because the high performance players obviously do play high school tennis. You know, they need to know about college. They need to know what's going on. Right now, 11 men and 14 women's programs have been canceled. Division yeah. one, I mean, Division one, two, and three. Um, you know, and a lot of the schools who, who say kids can come back. So what happens to the incoming freshmen? We think they're going to play, but now you've got all these seniors who are staying and maybe not transferring or going to graduate or whatever they're going to do. You know, so now there becomes an overlap, and it's hard enough for for uh, any student athlete nowadays to get a tennis scholarship. You know, tennis is a, super difficult. They've been dropping the scholarships, this, and then you know now it's been dropping the programs. You know, these kids need to understand. So maybe maybe have. suggestion and we actually are going to have a podcast on that uh, <laughs> coming up very soon so you did that is a wonderful segue Todd because that is actually one of our next podcast topics is we are going to talk about the future of college tennis and you're absolutely right you know a lot of the programs are going away and what does that mean so we're going to have a, uh, a hard Q&A session uh, with ourselves, uh, which includes one of our board members, and we're going to talk a lot about that and what maybe we need to do here in Florida to, he said, prepare the high school students, but also maybe address 
some of the situations at these colleges where these we want to save the programs. And so how do we go about doing that? So I think that's an awesome note to end on because it kind of sends us right into the next podcast, Bran. But before we go, I just want to thank each and every one of you for all of the work and the time that you give to this. I know you don't do it for any money. You do it because you love tennis. And we're very grateful to all of you for it. And I'm very grateful for you joining me today. So thank you all very much. Thank you for the opportunity, Laura. That was awesome. It's good seeing you guys also. Thank you, everybody. Great. So for those of you who are listening to the audio only version of this podcast, just a reminder that you can find the full video version at USTA Florida's Facebook page, where you can also leave your comments and questions for us. And we usually pull together an FAQ. So if you have a question or a comment about high school tennis, feel free to leave it on our Facebook page underneath this podcast video. And also make sure that you visit USTAFlorida.com slash here to serve to find out when we'll be doing that collegiate tennis podcast and all of our future episodes and dates. Everybody have a great day and stay safe.